Section 7 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 7. The Capture of Major Andre, 1780, by Jared Sparks. Benedict Arnold, a trusted officer in the Continental Army, offered for a large sum of money and a commission in the British Army to betray to the British West Point, the strongest fort on the Hudson River. Major Andre, a young British officer, was sent by the English to meet an agent of Arnold and make the final arrangements. The following extract tells the story of his capture. He was hanged as a spy, but everyone wished that the traitor Arnold could have been in his place. The editor. When he, Andre, and Smith, his guide, a loyalist, separated, it seemed to have been understood that Andre would pursue the route through White Plains and thence to New York, but after crossing Pines Bridge he changed his mind and took what was called the Tarrytown Road. He was probably induced to this step by the remarks he had heard the evening before from Captain Boyd, who said the lower party had been far up the Tarrytown Road and it was dangerous to proceed that way. As the lower party belonged to the British, and André would of course be safe in their hands, it was natural for him to infer that he should be among friends sooner in that direction than in the other. A law of the State of New York authorized any person to seize and convert to his own use all cattle or beef that should be driven or removed from the country in the direction of the city beyond a certain line in Westchester County. By military custom, also, the personal effects of prisoners taken by small parties were assigned to the captors as a prize. It happened that on the same morning on which André crossed Pines Bridge, seven persons who resided near Hudson River on the neutral ground agreed voluntarily to go out in company armed, watch the road, and intercept any suspicious stragglers or droves of cattle that might be seen passing toward New York. Four of this party were stationed on a hill, where they had a view of the road for a considerable distance. The three others, named John Paulding, David Williams, and Isaac Van Wart, were concealed in the bushes at another place and very near the road. About a half mile north of the village of Tarrytown, and a few hundred yards from the bank of Hudson River, the road crosses a small brook, from each side of which the ground rises into a hill, and it was at that time covered over with trees and underbrush. Eight or ten rods south of this brook, and on the west side of the road, these men were hidden, and at that point André was stopped, after having traveled from Pines Bridge without interruption. The particulars of this event I shall here introduce, as they are narrated in the testimony given by Paulding and Williams at Smith's trial, written down at the time by the judge advocate, and preserved in manuscript among other papers. This testimony having been taken only eleven days after the capture of André, when every circumstance must have been fresh in the recollection of his captors, it may be regarded as exhibiting a greater exactness in its details than any account hitherto published. In answer to the question of the court, Paulding said, Myself, Isaac Van Wart, and David Williams were lying by the side of the road about half a mile above Tarrytown, and about fifteen miles above Kingsbridge, on Saturday morning between nine and ten o'clock, the 23rd of September. 
We had lain there about an hour and a half, as near as I can recollect, and saw several persons we were acquainted with, whom we let pass. Presently, one of the young men who were with me said, There comes a gentleman-like looking man, who appears to be well-dressed and has boots on, and whom you'd better step out and stop if you don't know him. On that I got up, and presented my firelock at the breast of the person, and told him to stand, and then I asked him which way he was going. Gentlemen, said he, I hope you belong to our party. I asked him what party. He said, the lower party. Upon that I told him I did. Then he said, I am a British officer out of the country on particular business, and I hope you will not detain me a minute. And to show that he was a British officer, he pulled out his watch, upon which I told him to dismount. He then said, my God, I must do anything to get along, and seemed to make a kind of laugh of it, and pulled out General Arnold's pass, which was to John Anderson, to pass all guards to White Plains and below. Upon that he dismounted. Said he, Gentlemen, you'd best let me go, or you'll bring yourselves into trouble, for your stopping me will detain the general's business. And said he was going to Dobbs Ferry to meet a person there and get intelligence for General Arnold. Upon that I told him I hoped he would not be offended, that we did not mean to take anything from him, and I told him there were many bad people who were going along the road, and I did not know, but perhaps he might be one. When further questioned, Paulding replied that he asked the person his name, who told him it was John Anderson, and that when Anderson produced General Arnold's pass, he should have let him go, if he had not before called himself a British officer. Paulding also said that when the person pulled out his watch, he understood it as a signal that he was a British officer, and that he meant to offer it to him as a present. All these particulars were substantially confirmed by David Williams, whose testimony in regard to the searching of Andre, being more unique than Paulding's, is here inserted. We took him into the bushes, said Williams, and ordered him to pull off his clothes, which he did, but on searching him narrowly, we could not find any sort of writings. We told him to pull off his boots, which he seemed to be indifferent about, but we got one boot off and searched in that boot and could find nothing but we found there were some papers in the bottom of the stocking next to his foot, on which we made him pull his stocking off and found three papers wrapped up. Mr. Paulding looked at the contents and said he was a spy. We then made him pull off his other boot, and there we found three more papers at the bottom of his foot within his stocking. Upon this we made him dress himself, and I asked him what he would give us to let him go. He said he would give us any sum of money. I asked him whether he would give us his horse, saddle, bridle, watch, and one hundred guineas. He said yes, and told us he would direct them to any place, even if it was that very spot, so that we could get them. I asked him whether he would not give us more. He said he would give us any quantity of dry goods, or any sum of money, and bring it to any place that we might pitch upon, so that we might get it. Mr. Paulding answered, No, if you would give us one thousand guineas, you should not stir one step. I then asked the person who had called himself John Anderson if he would not get away if it lay in his power. He answered, Yes, I would. I told him I did not intend he should. While taking him along, we asked him a few questions, and we stopped under a shade. He begged us not to ask him questions, and said when he came to any commander, he would reveal all. He was dressed in a blue overcoat and a tight body coat that was of a kind of claret color, though a rather deeper red than claret. The buttonholes were laced with gold tinsel and the buttons drawn over with the same kind of lace. 
he had on a round hat and nankeen waistcoat and breeches with a flannel waistcoat and drawers boots and thread stockings the nearest military post was at north castle where lieutenant colonel jameson was stationed with a part of sheldon's regiment of dragoons to that place it was resolved to take the prisoner and within a few hours he was delivered up to jameson with all the papers that had been taken from his boots end of section seven this recording is in the public domain recording by colleen mcmahon